Well, good morning, Abundant Life. My name is Chad. I have the privilege of serving as a teaching pastor here. So glad you made the decision to get here this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, once you find the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 is where we're going to be at this morning. And we are concluding our series called More Than Sundays. And the heartbeat behind this series, as we've been studying in this section of Ephesians, is that you would live a More Than Sundays Christianity. That Christianity isn't just something that you do uh, once or twice a week, but it's something you are. And we've been looking at this guy named Paul who wrote this letter to this church at Ephesus. And Paul was just kind of an all-in kind of, you know, kind of guy. He was all about it. And uh, he's been challenging us uh, through this letter that was written thousands of years ago uh, to live a life that is more than Sundays. And man, I'm so excited uh, to get back into the book of Ephesians. I don't know if you had this in your house this morning, but uh, we had some power problems in the city this morning. And uh, if you've heard, our church experienced some of those power problems as well. And so just a couple hours ago, uh, we were standing up here, I was standing up here without a microphone yelling at everybody, all right? And it was awesome. And uh, we had some power outage uh, issues and we had a power problem. And I don't know if you've ever had a power problem before. I can tell by your hairdo that you may have, I'm just kidding, anyway. And so, um, but we all know what that's like. And I remember we experienced a power issue when I was a teenager, um, I, I was going to run some errands with my dad, and so uh, we get up on a Saturday morning, and, and we had kind of mapped out the day, and my, my car had broke down somewhere, so we were going to go work on that, and, and then we were going to go get groceries and do some other things, and so we load into the truck with my dad, and he was driving a one-ton dually at the time, it's the you know, truck with a big old rear end on it, and anyway, it has two gas tanks in it, and we head to the gas station because both tanks were on empty. And so we get to the gas station. My dad fills up both tanks full of fuel. And then we head down the road. We get about five miles down the road. And the truck starts shaking. And we've got to pull over. And, and we're broke down. And so my dad pops the hood. And he starts looking around at things. And then he realizes that he has filled both tanks with gasoline. Which isn't a big deal if your engine takes gasoline. But if you're driving a big truck, more than likely it's a diesel engine. And my dad had put gasoline in both tanks and his engine was a diesel engine. And so he had put the wrong fuel in the tank, and so therefore we were broke down. And all the things that we were hoping to accomplish that day, everything got put on standstill, right? And we had a power problem. The power that we needed to, to accomplish the things that we were hoping to accomplish, uh, it, it just wasn't there. And I share that story with you this morning because we are in this series called More Than Sundays. And we've been challenged the last several weeks to live a life that honors Christ, and, and that means that some of you have taken your next step to get involved in a group. Others of you have taken your next step to start serving, and, and then you as an individual, you've, you've changed the way that you change so that you could really experience change. And, and then last week, I don't know if you were here last week, but Pastor Phil came from Ephesians chapter five, and I challenged me, for sure. And aren't you grateful for a, a man of God at the helm that will preach the word of God and the grace of God, right? Yes, praise God, and I'm so grateful, Pastor Phil, just for your courage in your boldness, and what we say in the preacher world is that brother shucked the corn last week, all right? Got out here and he just, man, he preached fearlessly and boldly, and I'm so grateful for that. And I don't know about you, but when I get into a message series like this, and God's really beginning to challenge me and, and, and really, you know, called into question, like, what am I running to for entertainment? How am I using my speech? What am I doing in my life and, in a way that honors God? Like, I, I, inevitably, I want to change, and I want to I be the man that God's created me to be. And I know that the majority of you are here this morning because you want to experience all that God has for you, too. And Paul's going to give us this one thing that we've got to have this morning. It's really the fuel for change. 
And if we don't get this one thing in our life, then all of our efforts to try to live the way of Christ are gonna be futile in nature. And that this one thing, I would contend that if you don't get this one thing in your tank, so to speak, then it will be impossible for you to live the Christian life. And the one thing that Paul's gonna tell us that we need to get filled up with really isn't a thing, it's a, it's a person, and it's the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this message, The Fuel for Change. And the fuel for change is the Holy Spirit. And I wanna answer three questions about the Holy Spirit this morning. I wanna answer this first question, who is the Holy Spirit? And then what do we do with the Holy Spirit, and, and then how can we be filled with him? So Paul, he's like the architect of Christianity. He's been writing to perhaps the most influential church in antiquity, the church at Ephesus, and he's telling them, hey, y'all need to to live a life of of mission and a purpose so that you could push back the darkness in Ephesus. And, And he's been using all of this imagery to tell us about who we are in Christ and then calling us to live a life that honors him. And here's where we pick up in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Paul says, and do not be drunk with wine, and which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so this is a series of comparison and contrast that Paul's been writing in Ephesians, and he's compared and contrast light and dark up to this point. He's compared and contrast wisdom and foolishness, and now he compares and contrasts being controlled with, with alcohol or being controlled by the Spirit. And he makes it real clear. This is a command. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And some of y'all are thinking maybe what I've thought in churches before, like when they start talking about God and the Holy Spirit, I'm like, well, who, who is this? Who is, the, who is the Holy Spirit, you know? So if you're taking notes, maybe you write that question down. Point number one, who is the Spirit that Paul tells us we need to be filled with? I mean, so much can be said about this this morning. We could spend so much time and, and try to, to really lay a, a foundation and then all these different ramifications about who the Spirit of God is. But just real concisely, let me tell you that the Holy Spirit is a person promised by Jesus to indwell the believer and to give him power to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit's a person. That God is a triune God. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit's not some force or some movement or some sort of kooky, weird thing. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We serve a triune God. And you cannot know God without knowing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's a person possessing a will, an intellect, emotion. and He's God with all the attributes of deity. He's the third person of the Trinity, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. There's only one God, but he manifests himself in three persons, whom we call the Trinity. A theologian, he said this about the Trinity. To the man that denies the Trinity, he will lose his soul. But to the man who tries to understand the Trinity, he will lose his mind. And that there's some things about God's character and about his nature. My wife is confusing people, all right? Let alone the God of the universe, right? And so like, like, I'm okay with, with serving a God who is far beyond my comprehension. I'm okay with a God that, that, that measures the span of the universe with his hand and me not being able to fathom and understand everything about him. You know, God's not like trigonometry with the right teacher, the right book, and the right timing, you'll be able to figure it out. It's not that way. It's a mystery. And no man can fathom the greatness and the glory of God. And that shouldn't conjure up speculation in your heart or doubt in your heart. It should stir up awe and wonder that God is, he's amazing. He is a triune God. He's Trinity. 
the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's a person that was promised by Jesus in John chapter 14. And Jesus said this, John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. I love that. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Like you, you imagine this, like hanging out with Jesus. I mean, I don't know, we don't, we don't know everything about Jesus, but Jesus, I mean like awesome, miracle working, amazing, Jesus. And, and like he's hanging out with you and he's like, you know everything that I've got going on, I'm gonna give to you too. You're like, no nah, man, you Jesus, all right? And then there's me. And no, Jesus said the same spirit that is in me, I'm gonna give to you and he's going to indwell you. This is the, the promise of Jesus. Jesus isn't like, you know what? This is how you need to live your life to honor God. Just live like I live. And he wasn't like, you know what? But, but I'm gonna die, raised from the grave and then I'm going to the right hand of the Father. Hey, and good luck guys. Good luck, we'll see you in eternity and just leave. No, he says, no, I'm gonna send someone, the helper, the counselor. He's gonna teach you things. He's gonna indwell you and, uh, and allow you to live the life that I'm calling you to live. The Holy Spirit is a person promised by Jesus to give the believer power to live the Christian life. Just say power. Well, we, need, we have a power problem in the church today. No, I'm not talking about a light issue. I'm talking about a living out Christianity issue that Paul writes in Philippians that, that we would know the power of the resurrection, that, that we would have victory and liberty through the power of the Holy Spirit, that he would use us mightily. And the Holy Spirit has come to give us power. Acts 1.8, it's on the wall above the globe out in the lobby space. It's a big deal around here. We love this verse. And it's something Jesus said to his guys and gals. He said this, but you shall receive power. The Greek word is dunamis, which we get our word dynamite. You will, you will receive this unexplainable power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be, be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit wants to move into your life, church, and give you power to witness to the glory of Jesus, and when you witness the glory of Jesus, it affects your words, and it affects the way that you walk. Like, like, like the Holy Spirit wants you to, to live in this great power. And what Jesus is saying, he's like, hey, he's got his guys there, and he's like, hey, y'all need to wait right here until the Holy Spirit comes. Because if you try to go out there and kick this thing in motion, this life in Christ thing in motion, without the power of the Spirit, you're destined for doom. And so wait here, so you have these 120 people who are waiting in the upper room, desperate for God, they're praying, they're singing, and the power of God, the Holy Spirit, falls upon them. And they go out in power, and the true miracle of Pentecost is that these once timid, Jesus-rejecting men and women of God, they hit the streets of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, fearlessly making known the mystery of the gospel. And they live in such a way that it reforms the whole Roman Empire. And God wants to give you this spirit to indwell you and give you power. The Holy Spirit is a person promised by Jesus to indwell the believer to give you power to live the Christian life. Do you know the Spirit of God? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Francis Chan, he wrote a book called Forgotten God. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he said that most of the time the Holy Spirit is the forgotten person of the Trinity in the church in his experience. 
And here's what he said about the Holy Spirit. He said there's a big gap between what we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers in churches operate today. There's a power problem in the church today is because there's a spirit deficit in the believer today. And we need the Holy Spirit to come in and to begin to change us, that the fuel for change is the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. I want you to imagine, like if you, you saw thousands of people gathering weekly in their cars at a gas station. It's like a Bucky's, if you know what that is, like Redneck Paradise. It's a gas station in Texas. Anyway, so it's large. In the way, so 4,000 people gathering at a gas station. And you, just, you decided to watch this one day. And so you saw the cars come. And, and then for a couple of hours, they gather and they hang out. And, and you overhear them. And they're, they're talking about gas. Like gas. They're singing songs. Gas. Gasoline. You're awesome. Gas. Yes. They're like, man, gas. Yes. Then they finish their conversation about gas, gasoline. And then they load their family up in the car. Then the dad gets behind the car and he just starts pushing the car home. See you next week, Rick, you know. See, what's, what's going on? And then, and then they're pushing their cars and then they stop and they see Pastor Phil and he's just rolling in his truck. And they're like, wow, that guy knows how to put gasoline in the right place. He's got some power. There's something unique about that guy. You would think, okay, why don't you just put gas in your own car? Well, we don't, well, we, you know, we don't want, I mean, we like to talk about gas. We like to sing songs about gasoline. We like to recognize the guy that knew what to do with the gasoline, but we, it's just uncomfortable for us to put gasoline in our car. You'd be like, um... Okay, well, see y'all next week. The reason why I shared that is because that's a picture of a lot of our churches today. They show up to the place that is gonna give them the power to be able to accomplish the things that God has called them to accomplish. They sit around and talk about those things. They sing songs about those things, but they never open up their lives and are filled with the fuel that they need to change and get it down the road and accomplish the things that God has called them to accomplish. And then they look at the man of God and they think, wow, he's filled with the Spirit of God. But no one has coined the market on the Holy Spirit. He's come for all men. He's come to supply every one of you here this morning to give you exactly what you need to become the man or the woman that God has created you to become. Be filled with the Spirit. He's a person promised by Jesus to indwell the believer, to give you power to live out the Christian life. But what do we do with the Spirit? Point number two, if you take a note, you can write that question now. What do we do with the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing that you gotta do is you gotta receive him. You gotta receive the Spirit. Have you received the Spirit? See, you receive the Spirit when you receive Christ. Kind of a package deal, all right? You can't divide the Trinity. And so you get one, you get all of them. And, and, and you don't have to have a second salvation to get the Holy Spirit separate from when you were saved and received Christ. They come together. What it says here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Romans 8, 9. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. Ephesians 1, 13, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Have you received the Holy Spirit? 
Have you responded to the gospel? What we do with the Holy Spirit is that we receive him through the gospel. The gospel is the good news that you can live forever, church. Like it starts with the bad news that you and I, we were born into darkness and we couldn't conjure up light in and of ourselves to be able to navigate this darkness. And so the light of the world has come to darkness. His name is Jesus. He lived a sinless life for 33 years, marched on this planet. Then he died a sinner's death on a cross, bled out, absorbing the wrath of God. Three days later in a borrowed tomb and then rose from the grave victoriously. And then for 40 days he revealed himself to people on earth, over 500. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he is supreme over all things, the Lord over all creation. And when you believe in this good news that he came on a rescue mission for you, you step into a right relationship with him. And when you receive Christ as your savior, you receive the spirit as your supply to live the way of Christ. I wonder on a scale of one to 10, like, like one being you don't want a relationship with God. 10 being like, man, you are in a right relationship with God. Where would you put yourself, scale of one to 10? And if you put yourself somewhere in between, in, let's say that you were a four or a seven, would you want to be a 10? Can I tell you that in the economy of God, you're either a one or a 10, there's no in between. That you're either light or dark, you're either in Christ or not. And if you have repented from your sin and you have bowed your knee and confessed Jesus as Lord, you are in a right relationship with God. You may not feel like it all the time, but positionally you are his. Do you know God that way? If you were to go up to one of my kids and say, hey Lydia, on a scale of one to 10, how sure are you that that's your dad? She'd be like, uh, I'm a seven. I'm like, girl, what do you mean a seven, right? I know you're way cuter than me, but we got something going in some, no. Like, I'd be like, you're either, you either are my child or you're not my child. And if you don't know Christ, if you're not a 10 confident that you're his, let's change that today. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner, that you need Christ. Believe in, in Jesus, that he died for you, that he is God and confess him as Lord in your life. This is what you do with the Holy Spirit, you receive him, and once you receive him, you, you don't grieve him. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.30, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit's a person that you can grieve. Don't you hate disappointing people? I, I don't like, like, if you were to come up here and be like, Chad, you're disappointing to me. I'd be like, Ugh. you know, I'd probably wanna throw something back out at you, like, well, you're, you know, your mom goes to college or something like that, you know, I mean, some, you know, sly remark, but, but I would, at first I would be like, I would, oh, I don't want to disappoint you. And I don't want to disappoint you, but, but I really don't want to disappoint my wife. Like if my wife were to come up to me, the person I love the most out of anybody else, this side of eternity, and she said, Chad, you disappoint me. In fact, Chad, you grieve me. Oh, I'd be so devastated, Right? And I would begin to say, okay, what do I need to do to change the thing that I need to change so I don't grieve the person that I love the most any longer? I'm going, I'm buying flowers, I'm writing love notes, I'm taking her out, I'm doing what I need to do, right, to make things right. Now, what's crazy to me is that there have been seasons in my life where I would say that I loved God, but I did not care if I grieved the Holy Spirit. If you claim to love God, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. 
that there are things that we brought in the house this morning that grieve God, and we're just kind of like, well, he understands. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm not perfect. No, God has no concept of your sin. And there are things that some of us are doing actively this morning that grieve the Spirit of God. And no wonder we're broke down on the road of life, not experiencing his power, because we're grieving him. So what do you do with the Spirit? You receive him. You grieve him. The thing that grieves the Spirit, Paul alludes to, is being controlled by anything other than God. I wonder, what controls you? What's the thing that you have in your life that may be controlling you? Paul, he uses the example of drunkenness. He says this in verse 518, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. So he uses this familiar substance to communicate a spiritual principle that you cannot be controlled by two things at the same time. So a lot of y'all maybe know my story. If you don't, I grew up the son of an alcoholic. And unfortunately, I buried my father about six years ago. He drank himself to death. And here's what I know, being the son of an alcoholic, that, that I experienced firsthand the woes of drunkenness, that my father's inability to put the bottle down wreaked havoc in my mom's life, me and my brother's lives. I have three children in which he only had the chance to meet one. He died at a young age of 57. And the woes of drunkenness, I know all too well. And here's what I learned that alcohol makes a terrible master. In the Bible, it, it never says don't drink, but it says often don't get drunk. And oftentimes I'll be talking with young adults who are like, well, what, what is drunk? You know, I mean, does that mean, like, can I buzz? But, but I'm not really drunk. You know, what's that line, right? And we want to start justifying, like, we can all justify our sin with one hand tied behind our back. That's how good we are at it, right? And so here's what I'll just say, like, the, the, the legal limit of alcohol in Missouri is .08%. That should be a standard. And I don't think it takes a whole lot of alcohol to get there. I think that's like two cups of Listerine and you're there, all right? And so don't, don't, don't start fudging the line because you can tolerate something a little bit more. That the law in our land has been given by God and when it agrees with God, we agree with it. And so that's the, the standard, if you need a standard. The Bible, it doesn't say don't drink. It does say don't get drunk. But even more importantly, the scripture speaks a lot about wisdom. There's even a whole book of wisdom called Proverbs in the Old Testament. Here's what it says. In regards to being wise, it says in Proverbs 21, wine is a mocker. Now, I know some of you are already thinking right now, well, it didn't say Budweiser, right? You started, okay, if the Bible doesn't say Bud Light, doesn't say Corona or Dos Equis, okay? And so don't start thinking, well, it only talks about wine. I really don't like wine, so I can dilly-dilly while the Chiefs are playing today, right? We're not doing that, okay? So just put in there the principle. Alcohol is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And here it is. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. That phrase, led astray, means that you drift away from God's command. I wonder when you drink, or if you drink, are you being led astray? Like, does alcohol help you follow Jesus better? Like, when you drink, are you like, man, I just become a better dad when I drink? You know, when I drink, I'm just, I just become a better spouse. I'm better at work when I drink. 
If you drink, ask yourself, what value has this added to my life? Or is it leading me astray? Proverbs 23 goes on, says, Hear, my son, and be wise. There's, there's the word, wise. And guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. My dad died owing the bank money. He squandered all of his income on liquor. And drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. It goes on in Proverbs 23, verse 31, says, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. Like I love that the scriptures is gonna be honest that alcohol is addicting. Like I love the scriptures, not, it's not saying, you know what, alcohol, it's never any fun. Temptation is always tempting. But it's warning us about what we do with alcohol. It says in verse 32, at the last it bites like a serpent and, like, and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I didn't feel it. When shall I awake? that I may seek another drink. My dad, he ran to the bottle for celebration and consolation, which ultimately led to a lot of devastation in his life. And anytime we are controlled by something other than God, it grieves the spirit of God. My dad's issue is alcohol. What's yours? Mine's work. Like, I don't know what's worse living with a workaholic or an alcoholic. And there's this tendency in my heart to be controlled by my job because I want approval and I want success. And when I allow my work to control me more than my savior and the spirit of God to control me, I'm running off the rails. Maybe yours is worry or maybe it's women. What's the thing that controls you? My dad, he had grown numb to the thing that was killing him. What are you growing numb to that just may be killing you? You know how Eskimos hunt wolves? I read a few years back about this thing called the blood popsicle. And the blood popsicle apparently is a strategy that Eskimos use to hunt wolves. And what they'll do is take a knife blade and they'll soak it in blood and then they'll freeze that blood. And then they'll do that process. They'll soak it back in blood, freeze it, soak it back, freeze it. And then they'll put the blade in the snow right outside the camp where the wolves are encroaching upon their livelihood. And the wolves, they'll catch the scent of this blood and then they'll run to this and they'll, they'll begin to lick this blood popsicle. And eventually they'll lick through the blood that was on there until they reach the blade and the blade will lacerate the wolf's mouth. And they were once attracted to the scent of this blood and the taste of this blood of a different animal. Now they've become numb and they're drinking their own blood until they die by licking this blade. So you imagine, right, all, all these wolves, you know, they, they come and they see this, they catch the scent of this blood and they come and like, oh my goodness, this is the best day ever, right? They think it's like some sort of popsicle weird thing. They start licking this thing and, and they're just licking in this and they're like, everyone's like a feeding frenzy and it's good and then all of a sudden the wolf's licking and then he looks over at his buddy and, and Leroy just drops dead. Like, Leroy, what happened? 
But all the while, like, this is great. They keep licking, and the, their speech is slurring, and they're like, oh my goodness, this is so good. This is, and then Bubba drops dead. But they're gonna keep licking. They're like, you know what, they died, but, but I'm different, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy this meal. And, and then eventually, they die too. When are we gonna learn from the tragedy of people that wrestle with the things that we wrestle with. That we need to step away from that thing that we're stepping towards. Like when are we gonna learn that we're no different? That if, that if alcohol took my father out, who's it gonna take out if I give in to it? When are we gonna learn from the, the tragedy of our families and break the chains of addiction and break the cycles that are, that are just wreaking havoc in our lives. See, it's our pride that convinces us that we're gonna be different. It's our pride that convinces us that we can get away with it. Pride, it's the anesthetic that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride's the thing that numbs you, that thinks that you're getting away with it, so you keep doing stupid things. And when we are controlled by something other than God, it grieves the Holy Spirit. I wonder what scent has caught your nose that may be causing you to lose control. It may not be the scent of alcohol for you. It may be the scent of buy now and pay later. It, it may be the scent of success, and I've gotta, I've gotta achieve, and I've gotta climb the ladder. It may be the, the scent of like, you're, you, you have that scent of, of being like the perfect mom, right? Where you know every essential oil concoction to cure every disease, and, and you have like this, this Pinterest following, right? You're the princess of Pinterest. That may be the scent in your nose, and you've, you've gotta maintain this standard of perfection. It may be the scent of cheap sex. But cheap sex is always costly. What's the scent that has caught your nose that may be causing you to lose control and being controlled by anything other than God grieves the Holy Spirit? So Paul says, don't get drunk with much wine. And then he goes on, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. And so what we do with the Holy Spirit, we receive him, we don't grieve him, and then we're filled by him. Uh, this this command that Paul lays out is just that, is a command. Like if, if you are not being filled with the Spirit of God, you're walking in disobedience to God. And we don't, we don't get to cut and paste the commands of Christ. We, we read this book and when it tells us to do something, if you follow Jesus, you simply do it. And so it tells us here, be filled with the Spirit. I, I love getting to, to do ministry with Pastor Phil, and I have the privilege of getting to be behind the scenes with him. And, and so there's often times where we're in spaces and we're praying over, over things or praying for our day. And, and there hasn't been a time where I have failed to hear Pastor Phil pray this prayer. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit today. It's as simple as that. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. That's what's on the lips of our pastor. That's what's on the lips of, of the staff. And that's what's on the lips of the believers of Christ who are seeking to walk in obedience to Christ. God, fill us with your spirit today. This, this word fill in the Greek is the word pleruo. It literally means to be being kept filled. It's this idea that you're continually being filled with the spirit of God. That this isn't just like a once for all. 
This is a, a many fillings. You, this is a command. You've got to be constantly filled with this. It's like we have this empty cup. We've got to fill it up. It's like we're, we're like a kite that needs the wind to fill us up so that we can fly and accomplish our purposes. But it's only when we put a lid on the cup that blocks the Spirit of God or quenches the Spirit of God or we close ourselves and we can't be filled with the wind of God that causes us to walk in disobedience. Hey, when was the last time you prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill you? God wants to move in. This is what we do with the Spirit. We receive him. We don't grieve him. And we're filled with him. And, and listen, don't think that this is some like emotional, snot-flowing, third night of summer camp, if you went to summer camp, experience, all right? It may involve those things. But the way that we are filled by the Spirit of God is by faith through grace. Colossians 2, 6 says, just as you receive Jesus Christ, so walk in him. And you receive Jesus Christ by doing what Paul said. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And you're receiving or you're being filled with the Spirit of God, I should say, by faith. The Spirit of God is not given to you that you might have a great emotional experience, but he's given to you so that you might live a great holy life and be a witness for Christ. Are you filled with the Spirit? Do you know the power of God in your life? I don't know about you, but man, I don't want my life to be explainable apart from the Spirit of God. I don't want to be a part of a church that, that you can explain. Well, they had this light, they had that instrument, they had that musician, they had that person. Well, it all makes sense why God would move there. No, we have an ex-cop as a pastor who steps into ministry, takes over a small church, and then by the grace and by the power of God over the last almost 20 years, this movement has swept Lee Summit, Kansas City, and we're seeing God do amazing things even today. We honor the past, but we are more excited about what God is doing today. And he is drawing men, and I want to be a church like this. I don't want my life to be explainable. What I'm doing right now doesn't make any sense if you know my people. Glovers, we're, 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 we're not preachers. And when you hear my story, I, I would just tell you, man, it just doesn't make sense. I have no business being up here if you look at where I come from. But the Spirit of God, he just stepped in my life and he likes to take the foolish things of the world and he likes to confound the wise. And so he's using me. And listen, God wants to use every one of you here this morning. So what do we do with the Spirit? We, we receive him, we don't grieve him, but we are filled by him. And some of you are thinking right now, well, how, how do I do this, Chad? What do I need to do to get filled with the Spirit? So point number three, if you're taking notes, write this question down. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, what does it look like practically? Well, first off, if you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit, you gotta confess sin. Like, like you've gotta get the, the fuel that's causing you to break down inside of your heart. You gotta get that out. So that, that day when we broke down, because um, my dad put gasoline in his diesel truck, um, we broke down on the side of the road. My dad calls my oldest brother. He's like, hey, bring me a, a knife, um, a water hose, and as many gas cans as you got. And this, this is some of y'all here this morning, right? This is some of y'all's dad. Let me just finish. And so my brother shows up, and, and my dad cuts the end off the water hoses, and he sticks it in the gas tank. And then he grabs the other end and hands it to me and says, I need you to suck on this end creating a siphon so that we can drain this tank 
But don't let it drain on the ground. We need to save that gasoline because we can use it on the lawnmower, the track, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, I don't know why he's trying to save it. But anyway, so like, if you're a dad here this morning, let me just give you some advice. If you have to happen to siphon gasoline, which is against the law, but if it's on your own car, I guess it works. Don't have your child do that, all right? I'm like, Dad, why wouldn't you, you know, burn the last few brain cells that you got instead of making me burn my good ones? But apparently you cannot smoke Marlboro Reds and siphon gasoline at the same time. And so my, my dad's like, he, he's stressing over there, so you know, he's, he's smoking like a, like a, you know, a barbecue pit or whatever. He's just smoking, trying to take the edge off, and I'm siphoning gasoline. I'll share that with you because we had to get all of the bad fuel out first in order to be filled with the proper fuel. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to allow the Spirit of God to siphon out your sinfulness. That there may be some things in your tank, and what's confusing is like, like that day we had, we had the gauges in our truck said we were full. And so it's confusing because our gauges are saying that our tanks are full, but that is not what we're experiencing in life. And some of you come in here this morning and your gauges are saying you're, you're full. Like you live in a cul-de-sac and everybody in the cul-de-sac is like, man, if we could just be like the Martins. They, are, they have it together, you know? And they just, you just think that they're just, and, and by everyone's standard, like, man, they've got a full life. They, you know, they've got it going on. But what goes on behind closed doors is that you're broke down because you're trying to maintain it in your own strength, in your own fuel. And you may need to siphon out that sinfulness that is in your life so that you can be filled with the Spirit of God. If you don't know what that sinfulness is, if you're on Netflix, just look at your homepage. It'll tell you. What I mean by that is, is that you are what you Netflix. I can tell what issues you have in your life by your Netflix homepage. It'll tell me that, that you have anger issues because you're just watching a bunch of Viking documentaries from 800 years ago. And it's just suggesting media that's just war. Like, bro, you need, you need to calm down, right? Or it may be rom-coms or something else where it's just, this is what you feast upon. If you don't have Netflix, just think about your life. Maybe stuff, maybe selfishness that you need to siphon out. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to confess your sin. But, but the goal of Christianity is not sinlessness, y'all. The, the goal of Christianity is not that you would be a, a nice, good Ned Flanders person. The goal of Christianity is godliness. Not that you would be some clean, empty tank, but that you would be filled with the Spirit of God and he would break forth in your life. So how do you be filled with the Spirit? You confess your sin. You pray the prayer that I hear our pastor pray all the time. God, fill me with your Spirit today. And here in a minute, I'm gonna give you a chance to pray that simple prayer. And then when you leave the threshold of this building, you walk it out. You walk in the Spirit. What does that look like? Well, Paul, he goes on in Ephesians 5, 19, and he says this, you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. <laughs> There's something that God does in our song. Y'all don't sing our sermons. I don't know if you know that, right? You sing the songs that, that we sang this morning. It's how we're wired. 
And when we, when we walk in the Spirit, we sing the songs of God. Verse 20, we give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you walk in the Spirit, it affects the way that you live by giving thanks to God. And then verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That when you walk in the Spirit, you serve one another, you give preference to one another, you honor one another. And this is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit of God. Pastor Phil, he says this, I love this, that the filling of the Holy Spirit is marked by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you wanna be filled with the Spirit of God, may you consistently raise songs to God because he promises that the God of the universe will inhabit the songs of his people, the praises of his people. Then you get into the Word of God and like Colossians says, that you allow the Word of God to dwell richly inside of your being that, that this word that God has inspired is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and that God always inhabits His Word through His Spirit. If you want to walk in the Spirit of God, not only do you worship and get in His Word, but you choose to walk in the Spirit, no longer gratifying the deeds of the flesh. That the filling of the Holy Spirit is marked by the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is the fuel for change. And may God fill us with his spirit in a new way today. I wanna to invite everybody just to bow your heads, close your eyes, or just I want you to use your imagination for just a second as we conclude. I want you to think about the most barren place. Okay, draw that to mind. You know, something that really captures empty. And I want you to ask yourself, is this me? Is this what I feel right now? Is this where I am right now? And I want you to imagine all the things that you tried to run after to find strength in, and all the things that you tried to run after to find satisfaction in, and all the things that you tried to go after that would satisfy this barren place inside of you. And then I want you to see Christ saying, would you try me? Would you allow me to fill you today? And here in just a second, in your, in your own internal prayer closet, just inside of your head, I wanna give you a chance to pray a simple prayer of obedience that just says this, just you say, Lord Jesus, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? So here in just a second, I'm gonna count to three and we're all gonna pray that in our mind. Lord Jesus, would you fill me with your Spirit today? One, two, three. Father, we do ask that you would hear the cry of our heart God, we desperately need you. We have a power problem in the house this morning. God, the solution for us to be empowered to live the way you've called us to live is you. And so we come to you as empty, barren, parched people. And we say, would you fill us again, God? How would streams of living water flow through our hearts? 
Holy Spirit, would you move in us and give us liberty, give us the, the opportunity to know you afresh and help us to walk in power so that we can live a more than Sunday's life for your glory. God, we love you. We ask that you would help us in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, in just a second, we're going to dismiss, and we want to extend a couple of opportunities for you this morning. First of all, if you don't know Christ and you're not a 10, let's change that today. We'd love to help you have a starting point. There's going to be some men and women up here at the front of the stage, and when we dismiss out that way, you can come this way. Others of you, you may need to pray just to talk about how to take your next steps, and you can come respond to one of these men or women, or you go by the next steps desk. We'd love to help you navigate this thing called abundant life. Hey, we are so glad you made a decision to get here this morning and pray that you'll go live in the spirit of God and the power of God as you continue to have a great week of worship. We'll see you next week. And go Chiefs. <laughs>